Let's begin with our reading today from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 14. Jesus had told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, The feast has been prepared. The bulls and fattened cattle have been killed, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went on their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and to burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. So now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you can see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing proper wedding clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw them into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Today I wanted to talk about <clears throat> the theme that character matters. Now, when you hear that theme, you may have images of particular people running through your mind. Maybe it's a politician or a CEO of a tech social media company. And we probably all have those thoughts. Matter of fact, uh, Patty and I... Had a nice visit with our daughter and son-in-law and grandkids in Chicago yesterday via FaceTime. And um, they wanted to know, Seth wanted to know what I was preaching on today. And so I told him, character matters. And then I immediately said, I'm not focusing this at politicians. And you could see the relief fold over his face. <laughs> um, it, this, is, this is an important issue. This is an important issue for us as a people, as a nation, as a church. But if we begin to focus on particular people that we can point out as being very, of a very poor, low-quality character in order that we can publicly shame them and then kind of be done with it, that is not our job as Christians. That is not our job. If we see a lack of character, a lack of integrity in our culture, that may not be the culture's problem. What if the lack of character and values and integrity is not their problem, but it's our problem, the church's problem? If the culture lacks character, why is that? 
Could it be that we, the church, have abdicated our responsibility to display character, to, do, to live lives of character, of integrity and authenticity? And heavens know, even the church has had its own character issues. And we have dealt with them but we have, have we done anything more than just kind of deal with them? Have we looked to the future about how we could be the church differently? Or have we just kind of set ourselves up to, to fall into the same trap all over again? What if the problem of character isn't with the culture? What if the problem of character is with the church? Steve Miller, our church council president, Lisa Durkee, our church council, our board ministry um, um, secretary, the two of them have been, uh, well, they, they agreed to my twisting their arms to serve on a synod task force that is looking at potential ways that the four Lutheran congregations of the ELCA in North Scottsdale and Fountain Hills can perhaps cooperatively, cooperatively work together. One of the ways that we are going to do that over the next year or so is by sharing an intern. And so you will see um, intern Jen Smith introduced around here eventually, uh, but she is already working. Um, her primary site is uh, Christ the Lord and carefree, but that is a, a function that all four congregations have um, invested in together. And so we're looking at some other ways that we could work together. And so we began this process by going over our, our strengths, and it was amazing to see all the strengths of these four congregations, some of them similar, but many of them unique and different. And then we spent some time talking about our challenges. And what was really fascinating, at least to me, was to see how we all had not unique challenges, but more often we had common challenges. The challenge that caught everyone's attention was from a woman from a Lutheran, the Lutheran Church in Fountain Hills. And her comment was she wondered if Lutheranism, of our congregations, were becoming irrelevant. Relevancy, that's a hot question, isn't it? Is what we're doing relevant? Are we as Lutheran congregations, are we as Christians, not just Lutherans, but as we as, as Christians, are we becoming irrelevant to the world? And if that's the case, then that problem that I talked about a little bit earlier truly is our problem as the church. I mean, the, the question that comes up in all of these kinds of conversations around church is how do we attract young people back to the church? And, you know, when we, when we ask that question, what will attract people younger people is what we mean, uh, to connect with our congregations, one of the responses that I heard was, are we walking the talk? Are we living out what we preach? 
what we teach? I thought that was a really important question. You know, earlier in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, let your yes mean that you mean yes. And when you say no, make sure that that is so. The old King James Version said it simply, let your yes mean yes and let your no mean no. I think what the task force participants were saying or maybe asking was the question, do we have integrity as a church? Do we have character? If character matters, shouldn't we be displaying it? Shouldn't we be living it? For many younger generations, when they look at the church, what they see is a lack of character. And we know that character matters. So what helps bridge the divide? In today's reading, the king is planning a wedding feast. And he had sent out invitations to all of his guests. Now the day has come for the big wedding and the marriage feast for his son, but no one comes. No one shows up. The king has sent out his servants, but they are ignored. They are insulted, and some are even seized upon and killed. What happened to the RSVPs? Didn't you learn that in school? Respond, civil play. Let us know if you're coming. What happened to all the family and friends that would be at a function like this? What about your business connections, your network, your people? Why didn't they show up? And if they weren't going to show up, why weren't they honest with the king and let their yes be a yes or their no be a no? Why this subtle, implicit kind of deceit? Could this be a character issue on the part of the wedding guests? I remember sitting at a conference where the presenter asked all of us church leaders that were at this conference this question. And the question was, do you have a life worth imitating? Do you have a life worth imitating? I was stunned by the question. I honestly was. I never thought about my actions and how they influence people, especially if they're not in sync with my values. I had just taken for granted that all the things that I had learned, I was living out. I mean, that's how I was trained as a teacher. If you give people the information, they will live it out. But guess what? To my surprise, that doesn't always happen. And so what we are learning, at least some of us in our old age, we are learning that information is just a part of it. That imitation is perhaps even a bigger part of it. And we shouldn't be surprised. You know, we get to see this at the preschool. 
because the children are big into imitating. They want to be like their teachers. They want to be like their moms and their dads. And so we understand that they're observing and learning. And we have lots and lots of stories, funny stories, of how they've learned from their parents, even in ways that the parents would prefer them not to be learning. We've all been there, haven't we? So what becomes true here, I think, is are we walking the talk? And if we're not, then we need to try to do something different. Because just feeding information will not be sufficient for people. Could it be that people actually want to grow in their character, in their values? And if that's the case, we're in trouble. Because all the recent polls show us, actually for the last decade, that there is no difference in values between those who are believing Christians and those who are unbelievers. The Barna Institute's done multiple studies on this. And we don't have an edge. We don't look any different than the world, than the culture. Are we too comfortable to allow God in to begin to change us? Because that's where it needs to happen. Let me ask you the question I was asked. Do you have a life worth imitating? Oh, too personal? Character does matter. Now what is interesting here in this story for today is that the king seems to be intent on inviting people to his son's wedding. Very intent. If it's not the king's friends and family and business network that are going to come, then the king says to go out and invite everyone else you can find. And so they, his servants, go out and invite everyone that they can find on the streets, the good and the bad. This is one of the things that I want you to remember about this story. The king is very inviting. The king wants you to be a part of his relationships. The king wants to be a part of your life, and he wants you to be a part of his life. However, there's one person who has come to the wedding, but he's not wearing the proper wedding clothes or the wedding garment. Well, what's a wedding garment? A wedding garment was a special wedding uh, piece of clothing that you, you reserve for just for weddings. And it was intended to be worn um, now, if you couldn't afford the wedding garment, you could have just a regular piece of clothing that you'd wear, but you, you made sure that it was very clean, and so that when you went to the wedding, it was a very special occasion. And you had the wedding garments, and you also had um, that preparation for the wedding. And so the, the wedding garment was a natural and right presentation of you and your relationship to the people that were hosting the wedding feast. So, for example, when you wore your wedding garment, it was kind of like saying, um, you have responded, you have invited me into this relationship of love. 
you've invited me into this family event, this special event. You have invited me to be a part of your family. And so I want to respond by bearing good fruit. And when I bear good fruit, what I'm talking about is bearing, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, mercy, self-control, love, uh, all of those different uh, gifts of the Spirit. So I want to respond to you with those gifts, just like we bring gifts to a wedding today. We want to respond by giving gifts because we have been given so much in the invitation itself. We're at the wedding. We're a part of this special event. We are invited to a spectacular feast, a very big feast, uh, a buffet that would, well, I guess we, can't, we couldn't do that anymore, but in the old days when you had the, the royal buffet. And so this was a very special gathering of people and by wearing the wedding garment you were saying i am so grateful to be here and i'm so glad that you have invited me to be a part of this in matthew 7 um jesus earlier we we were looking at this um where jesus tells his disciples let your yes mean that you mean yes and your no mean no Um, in verses 15 through 20 he talks about the tree and its fruit Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them uh, by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. So what Jesus is saying here is that we are known by our wedding garments. And so this man came to the wedding, but he didn't even have a nice, clean set of clothes on. And so the king asked him very kindly, why are you not wearing any wedding clothes? Could you not afford them? Maybe we didn't give you enough time to go home and get prepared. The other guests all had time, but maybe we didn't give you enough time. And the man has no reply for the king. Nothing. Does that sound to you like the church? Are we at the wedding feast, but without our wedding clothes? Have we forgotten about the relationship that God wants with us? Today, I believe that God has given us a vision of being the church so that people might begin to notice that there is something different about us, different about the church. And they actually want to find out what it is. Wouldn't that be amazing if our evangelism meant that people came to us 
because they saw in our lives such an amazing red-hot center of love and faith and faithfulness, things that they had never seen before, that they wanted to be a part of it. You see, if the church is not relevant, that's, that's on us. That's our responsibility. If we've lost our footing as a church, that means that we as individuals have lost our footing, our bearings. And so how are we going to find our bearings once again? We begin by working not on everybody else, not by putting blame on everybody else. We begin by working on ourselves, on me. What do I need to work on? It's time for me to clean my wedding garments so that I can prepare for future invitations that the king is going to extend to me. It's time for us as the church to begin to prepare our wedding garments so that we as a church can begin to respond to the, to the invitations that the king will offer so that we can bear fruit, love, joy, peace, mercy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, unfortunately, we have become so ingrained with the culture, if you're like me, that when the DoorDash guy brings your food and the hamburgers all slipped apart, that you want to cut his tip. That is not the right response for us as Christians. We are called to a different standard if we are called to character. One last note about the story of the wedding feast. Notice what the king asks of the guests. Friend, how is it that you are here with no wedding clothes? Remember the man had no answer? And that's a question that each of us, I think, also must respond to. If you decide that you're all right with the world the way it is, if you decide that you're all right not wearing wedding garments to the banquet, to the feast, to the table, if you're all right with not really wanting to share any part of you with anyone at the feast, then as your pastor, I do want you to be prepared for this question from the king. Why are you not wearing any wedding clothes? I don't speak this in terms of creating fear. I speak this with an immense amount of love, knowing that, knowing how much love God has for each of you, for each of us. You see, God is such an inviting God, and God will never stop inviting. God will never stop pursuing you. But God also wants a relationship with us. God will also provide a challenge or two for us along the way. But God is not here to intimidate you. God is here to draw you in to a relationship that bears fruit 
not just for you and for the church, but for this world, a world that needs the fruit of the church now more than ever. Let me say that I am no paragon of virtue, nor am I a paragon of character. But what I am trying to do is to begin to follow Jesus more and more and the world less. If that is something that interests you, if you are interested in working on your character, on the fruits that God shares with you, the fruits of the Spirit, if that's something that you want as a part of your life, then I'd like to know. Really, I would like you to let me know. Send me an email. Give me a phone call. As we look towards the future, that is one of the things that we will begin to work on as a congregation for those who are interested. Developing a different way of living in the world. Developing a way of living in the world that reflects Jesus more than it reflects the culture. And when the people of the world begin to see us, the church, they will begin to see something different. And the issue of irrelevancy begins to go away because even the world will begin to see that character matters. And if we have character, the church will matter. And I do believe that it needs to begin in the church. It needs to begin in you and in me. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you that you are such an inviting king. Help us to hear your call, even if it's a challenge. Help us to dig in our closets and to find those wedding garments, that way of life that you've called us to live, that special way, that vocation, that calling. Help us to find that place and help us to begin to live there by learning from you, Jesus, not from the world, but from you, from your apostles, from all those who can teach us. We pray that you would begin to light the fire that would change the church and that it would begin to transform the church into something that is bright and glorified because it's reflecting you and your glory. Bring us to your cross, Lord Jesus. Bring us to your cross and to your resurrection. In your name we pray. Amen.